the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome back. Friday, September 24th, 2021. Let me give the phone number right off the bat. 602-508-0960. It's a totally open line Friday. I um, knew that there would be a lot on a lot of our minds at the end of this very pregnant week. And of course... What's transpiring now at the state capitol where the Arizona Senate is running through their completed, finally completed audit report. That's been uh, going on for the past uh, hour or two. I've read the draft. I have watched a bunch of the hearing and I have been tracking a series of experts weighing in on um, Twitter as it go- as it has been running live. Happy to take your calls on it and I'll give you my thoughts on it. In a few moments, we'll come back to that in just a few moments. I'd like to set the table just a second. Wilford Riley, a regular guest of this show, professor over at uh, Kansas State University, says it's darkly hilarious that the non-Fox national media waited nine days to cover a 15,000-strong illegal alien shantytown that was created in Texas until the exact moment when there was a take on that story that could make white government agents look bad. Now, the hilarity of the white, and he puts it in quotation marks, is that half of these agents or more are persons of color. Easily so. Easily so at the Border and Customs Patrol. Um, but why is – yeah, why is that? And we, we kind of know why. And Charles, listener Charles, is always winning the award for best emails of the week wrote me, Dear Seth, today the minions in the news and the political advocates for Biden and Biden himself are all reiterating the Border Patrol officers on horseback narrative. Kamala Harris brought it up on The View, and it is the rhetoric of the day throughout the news cycle. Yeah, five days of this non-story. We are non-story not because it's insignificant, non-story because it didn't happen. We are seeing how the strategy, it happened as much as Nick Sandman abused a Native American. That's how much this happened. They pick a topic, no matter how small, insignificant, or just plain wrong it is, and it becomes a constant diatribe for days, weeks, and maybe even months. Russian collusion, the cages, the good people on both sides line, January 6th, Trump's tweets, and now whipping horsemen will, call them cowboys if you want, will all be run into the ground. The image is overlooked. What are we trying to be distracted from? Executions in Afghanistan, people falling from the airplanes in Afghanistan, Haitians under the bridge taken by a banned drone, elderly people mugged <coughs> on city streets, BLM riots. <coughs> Excuse me, we could go on and on. Funny how the Democrats measure the weight of an atrocity. Thank you for that, Charles. Well, the administration is doubling down, absolutely. And Joe Biden, even today, 
tripled down. He had already weighed in. Kamala Harris has weighed in on on it at The View, she being so helpful. Wasn't this her job, by the way? Wasn't this her job? I kind of thought it was. Uh, we'll get to her appearance on The View today. There was a lot of lot of interesting things going on there. We'll talk about that shortly. Um, but first of all, uh, if you can give me uh, Joe Biden from this morning, Bill, talking about uh, talking about what uh, what took place with the horses at the border. Mr. President, you said on the campaign trail that you were going to restore the moral standing of the U.S., that you were going to immediately end Trump's assault on the dignity of immigrant communities. Given what we saw at the border this week, have you failed in that promise? And this is happening under your watch. Do you take responsibility for the chaos that's unfolding? Of course I take responsibility. I'm president. But it was horrible what to see, as you saw. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. Okay. All right. The border. There will be consequences of something that's taking place at the border, but it won't really be against the illegal immigrants. It will be against the Border Patrol. Border Patrol agents. Remember what he said here. Remember what he said here. I promise you those people will pay. There will be consequences. He knows how to use strong language. When it's against Americans, why hasn't that message been communicated except from the softest and dulcet of tones from the vice president to one country? Why hasn't that been echoed and echoed and echoed in some kind of repeated loop to those who are crossing the border or attempting to or to or to to officials in other countries who have the power to stop it at their site? According to the Fox News report, Border Patrol agents were stunned and angered by Joe Biden's comments, which both claimed without evidence that migrants were run over and whipped and at the same time cast a shadow over the investigation. Would you go to work and do your best knowing that if you do, your boss is going to make you pay? One agent said, I'm dumbfounded and don't know what what to say. Another agent asked, is the president threatening to throw us in prison? Another said, I see the administration wants to fry our agents. He just started a war with Border Patrol. Brandon Judd, head of the National Border Patrol Council, said now that the president of the United States has already said they did wrong, how is an investigator supposed to do a true and honest investigation? Because if that investigator finds they did nothing wrong and they didn't, but if that investigation investigator finds they didn't do anything wrong, how is that investigator's job going to go? Nobody was struck by a rain. Not one person was struck by a rain. Not one person was run over by horses. They used the tactics they were trained to use to do the job that we were sent to do. We are executive branch employees. We were sent out to do a job, and now he's criticizing us because his base wants him to, said Brandon Judd. Democrat default. Blame law enforcement. Invent charges against law enforcement. Is that not what's happening here? This is now a five-day story over something that didn't happen. It's as if... 
all the organizations that were sued by Nick Sandman from the New York Times to CNN, he's the Covington High School student, it's as if all those media outlets spent five days on that story. They spent two. They spent two till the narrative they realized fell apart. I guess because the, uh, the, the White House was run by a Republican, there wasn't much to weigh in on back on that, except to say the media was being its usual self, fake. But they only ran with that for about 48 hours. We are now into five days of a story over an invented factoid. And it's a factoid not because it's a small fact, as we've talked about. It's a factoid because it's an untrue item. That's the real meaning of factoid. Something that cannot be substantiated. And this has not only not been substantiated, it's been debunked fully and thoroughly. There is not one person, Haitian or otherwise, who was strapped or whipped by a rain. Not one who was trampled by a horse. But Ayanna Presley yesterday took to the airwaves to say these Haitians are black lives too, and they matter too. So now we understand why the administration is ramping up on this story. I don't know how much further it can go. Maybe Guinness should put an entry in the world records as to how far a false story can be given credibility by an administration. We're at five days now. That's got to be a record. Not even Nick Sandman got that. That's got to be a record. It's got to be. And Nick Sandman's situation was far more intersectional. Well, debatably so, now that I think about it. What's more important to the dream palace of the left? Abortion and Native Americans or immigration and African Americans? Or Africans, in this case, I suppose, who want to become African Americans. Well, in any event, you see what intersectionality does. It creates propaganda and it forces itself on this country through one vehicle and one vehicle only. The biggest of lies. Six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. Thoughts on the on the um, fa- fa- uh, thoughts on the uh, on the uh, on the vote audit uh, when we come right back. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. This open lines Friday, 602-508-0960. Anything you want to talk about, fair game. I, um, I'll give you my thoughts on the audit uh, results that uh, have been, uh, that have, uh, been uh, reported shortly. Jason is in Phoenix first on uh, international relations issue. Hi, Jason. Jason, are you there? Oh, hi. Hi. Oh, it's, yeah, just a little nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Okay. Two two friends okay. talking. All right, I like that. Hey, Jason, um, I know you the audit's the big topic right now today, um, and I'll give you my thoughts if I have time to to uh, chime in on that. But um, something that uh, I caught um, that people aren't talking about that much is the president meeting with uh, the prime minister of India. Yeah, Prime Minister Modi, right. 
Okay. I just kind of want to timestamp this because we have two uh, country leaders meeting and two different stances on how to deal with COVID-19. Yep. So I'm anticipating COVID-19 would be talked about, would come up in conversation. I don't see how it would. So, and you can correct me at any point that I'm wrong. I think India is like 14% vaccinated and they were using ivermectin and they've had a lot of success. Like three states are almost COVID free. And it concerns me because uh, the corporate media isn't even talking about India anymore. When the last we heard from it, it was horribly out of control. So, I'm a little concerned that maybe there's some sort of uh, deal that might go down or something like foreign aid packet that'll include India. And we start seeing in the weeks to come or a month later that their cases start going back up because they decide to be like the Western world all of a sudden and withhold uh, therapeutics and ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and then stick to the vaccine. Is that a possibility with you? Or yeah, I, I, I suppose it is. I don't know much about India, except for the fact that around what? It must have been right before the summer, so April, May, going into June, they had a huge spike. India had been a curiosity, as I recall, just going off memory, Jason, Uh, India had been a curiosity on a lot of fronts because they just weren't experiencing the kind of uh, dangerous caseload or at least uh, problematic caseload that so many other countries were. Uh, And they they did go through a big spike, though, right before uh, the summer, as I recall. I don't know where it is now. I'm presuming it's tapering off. Is that is that your assumption or presumption? Well, last yes, exactly. Last week, they announced that they had like three states um, uh, that was an accumulative population of two point uh, 251 million people. Okay. Just in these three states. Okay. And they were like almost on the verge of calling them COVID-free last week. Okay. And now, one week later, now we have the prime minister of India here. Yeah. And I'm just kind of concerned because I can't imagine how COVID wouldn't come up in any conversation with the way the state of the world is. So I'm just concerned that they end up starting to play ball and start going the Western vaccination. Well, it's a heck of a market, India. It's a heck of a market. So I just wanted to call you so you can timestamp Yeah, that. no, no, we did. Uh, good. Um, uh, Bill took a note, and I love that you uh, you did that, Jason. Just uh, We've done a Thank few you. of those ourselves here, right? Bill, we're, yeah, we did that on... Uh, we, we we did that most recently on on the issue of um, transgender and transracial, the, f, the uh, you know the 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 and and appro- and appropriation. Uh, in about five years, in about five years, you will see that uh, transracial uh, people like uh, Rachel Dolezal, people who want to be of a different race, they will be put in the category of transgender where it will be a legitimate thing and it will be defensible in our culture. And as far as cultural appropriation goes, that will disappear just as there's no claims of cultural appropriation by feminists over female uh, women who are transgendered. So we're good with timestamps. Give me five years on mine. How long you want on yours? A month? Two months? Uh, I 
I think we should just give it about a month. Okay, a let's month check in in a month. And, Perfect. Perfect. And what are your thoughts? I'm thinking about sending maybe an email or something to some of the bigger programs. Never like, hurts. Um, uh, Suck Bestin, uh, Clay Travis, that type of stuff. Just hopefully that they'll time stamp it as well. Right, listen, uh, the, the, more, the, more you net, the wider the net, the more fish you catch. You know? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, I didn't come up okay. with that, but it seems to be true in Alaska. Uh, tell me your thoughts on the audit. My thoughts on the audit, um, well, Mike, I'm, I'm convinced. I believe that there was uh, fraud to that magnitude because we've seen it before. We saw it with the extension of the light rail going to South Phoenix. Um, there was a whole bunch of boats that were just not math- mathematically sound i voted in person that day myself and almost forgot and there were tumbleweeds i was the only one in there so i know they didn't get that many votes so we've seen this before at least in arizona and it seems to be the new trend stop the count that night and out of the blue the the whoever the democrats want is winning the next day that we've seen this time and time again so my more my biggest concern Seth, just to tell you the truth is more on the constitutionality of how Nothing was done constitutionally about how they just sent out votes. So I think I think our, our problem's bigger with our court, not upholding, you know, or even looking at evidence and fraud. I don't know what, if that's what you wanted to hear. Oh, there's nothing I want or don't want to hear. I, everything I want is to hear what everyone thinks uh, as we as we put our hands around uh, around this audit. It's not. I think it's fair to say. Isn't it? In some respects, it's it's not exactly the result a lot of us expected, um, but it does highlight. Well, let me let me think. Let me thank you for your call. By the way, it 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 highlights certain things that raise serious questions and require serious responses. And those responses should come, as far as I'm concerned, either through our state legislature, which seems to be incapable of getting along with one another enough to, 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 to enact serious election reform or serious enough election reform. So maybe we need to take it to the ballot. The Free Enterprise Club here in Arizona has an initiative that I'll tell you about. But Howie Fisher, Howard Fisher, give him his uh, full due. Howard Fisher is a reporter in Arizona, probably the dean, if I'm not overstating it, he's probably the dean of uh, Arizona journalism right now, uh, and he's like deans in D.C., you know, left, liberal, center liberal, center left. He's definitively not a conservative. How's, how's that? And he put in his, uh, he put in his story on, on the audit, on the draft report, that's all he had access to at the time, is that there were problems that could have theoretically have affected the outcome. He identifies the issue of the 23,344 mail imbalance that were voted from someone's prior address and more than 10,000 potential voters that voted in multiple counties. Now, there are some explanations for some of this, but why should we have to ask these questions and scratch our heads over this? So let's talk about what we do going forward when we come right back. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602 This is your open lines Friday. Let's go to Rob and Surprise. Hello, Rob. 
Hello, Seth, and a special hello to Bill, and I hope you guys have a great weekend coming up. I um, Why special that... hello to Bill? Did I miss his birthday or something? Well, no, no, just a special hello to Bill because he works hard and he probably doesn't get the credit he always That's deserves. fair well, enough. I agree with that. Yeah. Special hello and, to Bill. And he has, yeah, and he has a, a great sense of uh, good musical taste, but, you know. No, he doesn't. Anyway. I do. I have a good sense. <laughs> he fights me on it. He's good at well. everything else but music. It's the one. It's the one. Need? It's the one lacuna in his in his in his bag of tricks in his in his catalog of talents. Well, can't we all just get along? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, my eight, yeah. What, what what did what did Reagan say? My uh, eight, my eighty well, percent friend is not my twenty percent enemy. Yeah. Well, yeah, something like that. And I hope Bill's not an enemy. No, at he's all. my eighty percent friend who borders on ninety sometimes. Well, I'm hoping he's higher than that. But uh, anyway, I've been following uh, the audit stuff uh, this afternoon. Yeah, Wendy Rogers has been doing a bang up job on Twitter. Um, she's she's coming up with things that, again, the media's not covering. Imagine that um, Maricopa County apparently didn't preserve digital security logs uh, for the election last year, and that's a violation of federal law. Well, let me that let me let me hold you on that point because it's a it's a there's a lot of language that's being thrown around that can tend to be confusing so much so that I get confused. So it's important to read Wendy, of course, of course it is. But I also want you to follow on Twitter some of the things the data guru and Stephen Richard, the county recorder, are live tweeting as well because you'll see there are clarifications to each of these things. It's much less simple than we wished it were. For example, the Maricopa County uh, elections officials are saying they don't and haven't, uh, in this case, preserved them that way because they, based on data content, have to put them in archives, and the archives were never subpoenaed. So that's one issue with that problem. It's I not that they were that. deleted. It's that they were, as traditionally is done, sent to an archive. Okay. So, well, so, so, in, in other words, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, a lot of the length. For I'll give you another example. During the presentation from uh, the first, uh, the first expert witness, uh, the one with all the great credentials. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, you may know who I'm talking about, though. but the guy who did the first part of the report with the executive summary and walking us through it, he was talking mm -hmm. about ballots that were either misidentified or, mis, uh, or, or that came back faulty when, in fact, they were envelopes. In fact, they were envelopes. And there, there is actually a distinction uh, because a lot of envelopes come back actually with nothing in them or no ballots in them something else so there's a lot you have to follow here rob there's oh, no, a lot of I, bouncing balls oh yeah exactly and i i couldn't agree with you more and yes it's extremely complicated especially for you know the average uh, arizonan uh, it's um, it's way beyond the ken of 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 an average person because it's way beyond the ken of experts i've talked to who are you know expert in this field it's it's a real head scratcher it's a real head yeah. scratcher well, one of a couple of the things that I, I did catch um, that there were duplicate ballots that were coming in, you know, after the election from the fourth through the ninth, and ninety six percent of those duplicate ballots uh, had arrived 
after you know election day. Again, and, and, then, and it, again, that's another one that if you follow the other election officials, you will see that there is nothing unusually abnormal about that. From what they say, there's always yeah. a flood at the end. Always. That's a traditional okay. thing of people voting at the very last minute and submitting at the very last minute. Oh, and, and again, I can I can kind of understand that. One of my biggest concerns so all of these things. My point is, all of these things are 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 are, are important. We just got to make sure that we're all talking about apples and apples because I don't want to overestimate or underestimate the nature of the problem, which in and of itself is huge. Oh yeah, there were a non-signature ballots that were approved as a vote that uh, you know had scribbles and. Signatures blank, likely blank. That was like forty two hundred or forty three hundred. Well, yeah, no, there's that, and then again, cautionary note because I've seen other examples where the signature was put in the wrong place, like right under the line where the phone number would be. Is that fraud or is that common error? And should it be counted or should it be dispensed with? What if you're a Trump voter who signs below the signature but not on the signature? Should that ballot count? That's what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. This open lines Friday, 602 A lot to do today, including the distillation of, um, of, the, uh, of the vote audit, of which we spoke a, a few moments ago in the last two segments. Um, let, me, let, me, let me propose this. Let me propose this on a, on a uh, going forward basis and for when. When our legislature convenes in January, and as we may want to think about this federally and nationally, keep in mind what James Madison said about our Constitution and our Republican form of government and Federalist 39, partly federal, partly national. Uh, if we want to protect against questions over free elections and voter integrity, we want to do so. Because we understand how important the vote is. It's so important that the entire Republican form of government doesn't exist if there's not conviction and belief and credibility to our election system. What point and purpose is it to declare all men are created equal and have thus an equal chance to govern one another with each other's consent if there's no confidence in the free election system in the first place. You can't have it. You can't have a constitutional republic if you don't have free and fair elections that have the confidence and integrity of the people. And we certainly didn't and don't have that now, didn't happen overnight. This has been building for some time. I think it was worse, obviously, and used against us at a magnitude previously unseen in the last election. I think there's another element that needs to be discussed about voter interference and that has to election interference and that and and that has to do with the media. We'll come to that in a moment. When it comes to social media as well as traditional media. We'll get to that in a moment. But I would suggest, and I'm 
open to anything you guys have to say about this. I would suggest there are three elements that need to be taken seriously and need to be undertaken immediately in every state, in every state. And that means that there has to be universal vote. Obviously, every state, if it's universal, there has to be voter ID. There has to be universal voter ID. There has to be signature verification as part of that voter ID. When I say voter ID, I'm including signature verification, which is extremely important when it comes, obviously, to mail-in ballots, but all kinds of ballots. I would end unsolicited mail-in balloting. I'm open to the argument of ending all mail-in balloting, quite frankly, until we can ensure that the voter rolls and everything is accurate and we're not getting fraud from normal mail-in balloting that goes beyond the standard deviation of errors that we see in a normal election. I saw more of it in 2020 than I'd ever seen. More friends getting mailed ballots to them that never asked for them and haven't voted here since, I guess, they were 18, which was their first vote before they moved out of state. I've seen more of that this year than any before. So unsolicited mail ballots with the option of thinking through whether we should pause all mail-in balloting until we can wrap our arms and heads around whether that's sacrosanct. And that would not be hard to do, by the way. That would not be hard to do. Perhaps we can get more buy into this if we have a bipartisan, some kind of bipartisan commission that's appointed to to look into it with our guys there. And when I say bipartisan, I mean our kinds of guys there, too. I don't just mean your standard RNC types. And then there's another issue here. And I don't know that I've heard it very much used, and I don't know why it shouldn't be part of election reform. But why can't we actually track each and every ballot from volition to vote? Why cannot each and every ballot be known exactly where it is and how it's being used and what becomes of it? From the moment it enters a voter's hand until the voter does with it what the voter does. FedEx and UPS deliver 20-something million packages a day, and at any given moment you can know exactly where that package is. Whether it's coming from Europe or whether it's coming from New York City or whether it's coming from Sedona. No idea why we can't do that with ballots. No idea why we can't. Those would be my immediate simple reforms. Voter ID with signature verification. Unsolicited mail-in voting stops. Question about mail-in voting generally. And the tracking of all ballots from volition to vote recording. Now, the Free Enterprise Club, of which I'm a big fan has an initiative that they're sponsoring, that they're putting on the ballot for next year's election. And it's got a lot of really good elements to it. Really good. And I'll read you that in a moment. Bill, am I heading into break right now? 
I, oh, I have time. I have time. The Arizonas for Voter ID Act is what it's called. The Arizonans for Voter ID Act. It would be an initiative. That is to say, uh, every eligible voter can vote for it. And it has four elements, which is improving existing in-person voter ID requirements, requiring voter ID on mail-in ballots, part and parcel of signature verification, preventing ballot harvesting, by enhancing voter ID requirements for in-person ballot drop-off and providing a free voter ID option to lawfully registered Arizona voters who need it for voting. Easy to vote, hard to cheat. That's the benchmark for elections, our free enterprise, our free enterprise friends say. I'll tell you more about that on the other side of the break. I would call it a really good initiative if that's the way we want to go. If that's the way we want to go, that's going to be the way we have to go, unless the state legislatures across the country can get their acts together. Unless they can get their acts together, then this is obviously what we're going to have to do. I'm not a huge fan of initiatives, but obviously they're there for the last resort purposes for which they are there, and we may be at last resorts. As we head into break, let me put in a good word for my friends at Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing Company. I love great customer service for any air conditioning needs you have, for any plumbing needs you have available to you 24-7. I know I've tested that, not deliberately. Then 8 p.m. Saturday night, call. My AC was functioning because of them by Sunday morning. They do what they say, and they say what they'll do. I use them. My family use them. My friends use them. For a new unit, for a repair, for an inspection, replacement, air conditioning and plumbing, go to CoolTouchAC. That's CoolTouchAC.com. CoolTouchAC.com. Tell them Seth sent you. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. There's a little Herman's Hermits for you, a song by Carol King. I saw them in concert with the Monkees in 1987, believe it or not. And then, of course, I saw the Monkees in 2021. Again, didn't see Herman's Hermits again. <laughs> they may have been the better band. The Arizona Free Enterprise Club, azfree.org, azfree.org, is sponsoring an initiative which uh, I strongly suggest you take a look at because I think it gets us a long way towards voter integrity and election integrity. Take a look at it. We can revisit it in just a moment. Paul is in Scottsdale. Hello, Paul. Yeah, um, you know, Seth, I'm sure you realize who has, what the initial requirements were for the original uh, voters or electors. You recall in the Constitution? What are you driving at? Well, that they were white male landholders were the ones that voted. Uh, in some states, not in all. I thought that was a federal constitutional requirement. No. Nope. Uh, for those. Okay. Well, and of course, that's a little... Does it little say that in the Constitution anywhere, by the way? Uh, that's a good question. I, I'll have to look that I up. I don't think it does. Uh, I have my, co- okay. my copy. Okay. I thought that Okay, but my point is, of course, it's a little obtuse at this point in time. It's okay. You know, the good thing about that, what's what's important about that is, what's what's important is that these are people who had an investment. These are people who had sweat equity. These were people who had something to lose. Mm-hmm. 
And now, you know, there's no skin in the game. Anybody can vote for, you know, they've, and, and I think that's, I think we've walked something with that. I guess I'm, uh, Paul, I, 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 to help me out a little understanding who has no skin in the game. Enough, in other words, um, these, when you say landholders, these are people who had an investment. These are who had people who had something to lose. Sure. So their, their, their investment into the vote, into getting knowledge, into knowing what they were doing, was so so much more critical. So is your suggestion that we go back to that? No, no. Okay. <laughs> what, what is your... I have only I one life to were... give for my country, not one parcel of <laughs> land, Paul. <laughs> I, have, I have only one life to give. I read that somewhere in our American... In the annals of American history, <laughs> not one acre in Paradise Valley. I promise you, I don't even have that to give. All right, we'll be right back. 602-508-0960. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.